Welcome to Contemporary Cage, an informed and expert look at actor Nicolas Cage's contemporary filmography. On today's episode, we're watching Outcast. Hey guys, what's going on? How are we doing? Who are you talking to? I'm talking to uh, the listeners. I'm talking to you. The fans. The fans, the Cage Nation out there. I'm addressing them, uh, the masses. Guys, and I'm sure some of you have felt this, but there's been uh, a bit of a disturbance throughout Cage Nation today. And um, Derek doesn't know about this yet. I've kept him in the dark. Um, and we'll get to it uh in the in the news portion of the show but i just wanted to say um our thoughts and prayers what yeah you'll, you'll Dave, see every time i see you or talk to you lately you've just come in with some horrible news i like to keep people on their toes i like to um i like to in i'm trying to uh intrigue people into uh and sort of act like i have something of significance in my brain that will keep them coming back for more well, it stresses um, me out. Should we just get to it at the top? Should we like rearrange some stuff and do news at the top, and we'll play our game? Well, uh, I feel K-Tracks? like you're really you know kinda... what? No, we we've got to do this. Uh, uh, we're moving into it right now. Uh, banter. We don't have time for it. Breaking news. Breaking fucking news. Legitimately. Hey, watch your mouth. Um, today. Uh, no. Yeah. What happened? Is he okay? So Nick Cage was on um, United. Was on location filming a um, film in Bulgaria, and he broke his ankle on set. Okay. Well, today that's fine. No, it's not, guys. And our thoughts and prayers he are. He rolled with him. his ankle. He broke it, he, and he requires surgery. Oh uh, well. And he is gonna, getting older. And it's going to take uh, at least two weeks before he's able to, um, before he's able to go back uh, to work. He'll never act again. Yeah, and it's just you know when you try to keep up the pace that he's kept up, uh, where he's producing no less than fifteen movies every calendar year, uh, most of which he's freaking losing his lid. Yeah. In. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that detail matters. But if you're trying to do that, if you're trying it's to keep that It's harder on your rate, ankle. That's true. He's stomping around. He's he's uh wobbling on one leg often. And uh one of the risks when you uh are uh when you have originated the nouveau shamanic acting style right. and are just embodying these you know, uh wild characters uh is you might break your ankle. I mean, most actors want to break a leg. Oh but an God. ankle? Yeah. And no. it's always said, um, it's like a, th- a lot of people, here's some insight into the acting this world. It's kind of behind the curtain in the uh, yeah, industry. We could we could be blacklisted for revealing this. but I've been blacklisted so many times, it doesn't even matter at yeah. this point. Um, but we're going to pe- peel that curtain back and show you guys. So <laughs> that saying, break a leg, is because it's actually considered bad luck to wish someone good luck in the world of the theater. And a lot of people don't know this, and um, we are shedding some light, and this is an interesting thing for you guys to hear, I'm sure. And this is the type of... um, If I was listening to this, I'd want to punch you in the face. Why is that? (laughs) 
I, instead of you know breaking a leg, I'd want to break your nose. It seems, and one of the things that's so great about having Derek here is that uh, he's a great improviser. He's always yes ending. He always recognizes the, the joke. God damn it! All right. Well, Nick's um, our thoughts and prayers are with him. He's in Los Angeles now. He's flown back from Bulgaria, and he's uh, he's resting. And hopefully, he gets back to that movie soon, um, so that he can keep up his rate of um, of production and. Make some more movies that we can see, because I'm I'm worried that we're gonna run out pretty soon. I don't think that's ever gonna be a problem. Well, if he keeps rolling those ankles, he broke it. Don't make light of it. Okay. Um. All right. Are you ready to get into uh the film that we watched, Outcast? It's not a great one. No. I would even go so far to say that it's. It was really, really bad and really boring. And we talked about this in our first episode, how we're going to run into certain films uh, where in which even though Nick is the top billed actor, he's not present in the movie for very much of it. And this was the first this was the first one where it was like uh, he was missing for probably 80 percent of the movie. I think like he was at the top and then uh, he was at the very, very opening sequences. And then he was at the end. And other than that, not present. Yes. Um, and it, it, I feel like he made decisions with this character that he was like, I want to have fun uh, in this role. And no one else got that memo and no one else was having fun. Like he, he does some pretty bold things with his uh, performance that, his other the other actors the lead in this movie um the the just, jedi yeah hayden christensen who's one of our great young actors is uh is in this movie and uh, famously played anakin skywalker he had the honor to play anakin skywalker yeah i mean it's the most iconic uh villain of all, film villain of all time probably character i wouldn't even call him villain that's true. Well, yeah, he, he is not playing him during his villain. Except when he's choking people. Spoilers for Star Wars, guys. Anakin is played by Hayden Christensen. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, uh, so Outcast quick synopsis is that a mysterious warrior teams up with the daughter and son of a deposed Chinese emperor to defeat their cruel brother who seeks their deaths. Uh, this movie starts off... Nick and Hayden are knights in the crusade and they are carrying out the crusades and Nick is having uh, a real crisis of conscience. He's just say, seeing that like, hey, there, there's a disconnect here between what the Bible teaches and what we are doing. And uh, we got we to gotta stop it. And Hayden is just full of a bloodlust and he will not stop. Um, yeah, so they're carrying out these, uh, these horrid crusades and Nick um, has the has the conscious of, of he wants to travel east, and Hayden is not having any of that. He's still um, a big believer in the cause. And uh, yeah, what would what, you what you feel about this? It's terrible. It's terrible. It was really bad. Um, there there was an interesting thing. I feel like the most interesting observation about this film is that it is uh, it was made by a stunt stunt director uh, a former stunt coordinator who had worked on a ton of big action movies that's um 
the entire time I was watching that movie, I was thinking to myself, this literally, every single scene is cut together and shot as if it's an action sequence. And I was thinking about saying it seemed like somebody who did action choreography just made a movie, but I didn't want to sound stupid in case it was like a, a director with like a body of work. But that's exactly what this was. Yeah. And I mean, there there are instances uh, within which that experience is used to uh, great effect. Yeah, some of the action and fighting is cool. Yeah, but I mean, um, more so on uh, like the uh, John Wick film. I think the director of that uh, film's name was Chad St- Stavinsky, Stalinsky, and he was a um, a stunt coordinator as well. He had worked on like the Matrix films and had this extensive background. And when he made John Wick, he's like, I'm going to play to my strengths. So like, I'm going, I know how to uh, piece together um, fight scenes. I know how to uh, choreograph that. I know how to shoot them. I know how to direct them. And the film is amazing. John Wick is an incredible piece we know of cinema. You love John Wick. I don't know if I've ever talked about John Wick on the podcast, but uh, yeah, it's amazing. If you've seen that movie, uh, you get it. But um, then you have something like this where. The action scenes, I was impressed early on. There's like a fight scene in a uh, sort of like a tavern brawl early on in the movie. And just like the use of space and the, the sense of, um, of of space and like the, the way in which things in the environment came into play in that, in that fight. And they like used a lot of negative space. They didn't um, like rely on like a ton of cuts. Like often in action movies, you see every single action like every single i don't know i feel like a lot of the action was like cut seven times like for every so yeah that definitely happens later on in the film uh but in that in that first scene i was like oh oh they're actually taking some time to let the choreography just like play out because i feel like in the beginning when they first ride into that city no so the tavern scene the the one after that yeah where uh Hayden like meets up with the um, yeah it's probably better the prince one that, of the better sequences it's yeah it's the only good uh, action scene I think in the movie but everything else is at least cohesive it's like this this follows um, a logical thread and we are seeing this action played out there might be a lot of cuts um, but we're still this this is still like a cohesive sequence of actions I watched uh, or I tried to watch that new Tarzan movie recently. Mm-hmm. And the movie opens with uh, Christoph Waltz and he's like taking an expedition into Africa and they get uh, his expedition gets attacked by uh, like native indigenous people to the land. And um, every single like the camera keeps cutting away from him and showing some of the people who are attacking his group and then cuts back to him. And every single time he's like holding a different thing. He's like holding two shields in one sequence and then those are gone inexplicably and he's like holding a spear and just like looking scared and it's just like there's no consistency there's no uh like there's there's no uh, attention paid to uh the way that this action sequence is paying out and this movie at least it, it it is um it's like logical and efficient in the way that it like shows you action sequences playing out. And I feel like that's maybe the nicest thing I could say about it. Well, there's like a lot of uh, importance that goes on specific pieces that are used in the action sequence, such as a seal or a special dagger that has a backstory and stuff. So it's really important that we see that happening. And I think having all the action choreography experience, paying attention to those 
details and getting there visually in an exciting way is something that this guy was able to do. Um, but uh, every scene in between every action scene is like shot and cut the same way in that specifically there are like tons of far off shots on a really, really long lens, um, intercut very quickly, like three or four cuts during small actions, lots of um, shakiness and Dutch angles mm -hmm. and warbliness. I know you said uh, you were starting to get a little seasick. Yeah. Uh, Hay some of those scenes. Hayden's character. Um, so like basically after he and Nick's character have a falling out, uh, Nick goes to the east and Hayden kind of goes and tries to follow him. He feels like he's let uh, this man who is basically his mentor down and he develops a heroin addiction uh, or an opium addiction. Opium. Yeah. Um, and like all of that stuff, the way that they communicate that I think is like pretty lame and they don't really do anything interesting with uh his opium addiction it's like it's just like a way to show that this guy doesn't really have it together and doesn't care that much yeah, about like his life anymore that there needs to be an arc so we can start him addicted to opium right um i mean there's some sequences that communicate that pretty well with the way it's shot a lot of like weird um almost gopro povs and like out of focus shots of the grass and stuff um, that made sense and communicated when he was high, but, um, I, I didn't, I, I didn't really like that stuff. It felt like, and I feel now that we've seen like a handful of movies that convey tripping in it, like right. a handful of ways, like this did feel just kind of, um, I don't know, just like a little perfunctory. Like we need a, like a, a a visual language to communicate this because his performance isn't going to be convincing yeah. enough, or, or like we just need to get the audience into this character's headspace. And it it just like it ended up feeling really uh, dissonant and like not fitting in. Like there's a moment where he like to sober himself up, he like dumps a bowl of water onto his face, and that was just like, oh, this just doesn't belong. Like it doesn't fit. I, I don't know. You uh, it wasn't. Feel, it but. wasn't necessarily well done. I just. I just think it was deliberate, and yeah. and that's something. Even that is kind of almost rare in a lot of Nick Cage movies we've seen mm -hmm. in terms of like doing something not just for the sake of how it looks, but because you're deliberately trying to convey something with these visuals. Sure. Um, I think the whole movie should have just been a fantasy movie. I think it would have been way better. Yeah. Because. First of all, I didn't know that it was a Chinese emperor because every time we went to that scene, it just said east or far east. Yeah, um, everyone speaks English, um, which is especially weird because like far east is just like that's relative, right? That that doesn't yeah. have like it. It depends where you're starting on the globe for you to understand like where the far east is. It's just like Asian, basically. Yeah, like and there was nothing Chinese because it, it like. Yeah, there's no subtitles or anything. Everyone speaks English, so there there is a lot of um, uh, th there are decisions that make it feel like deliberately ambiguous. Whoa, the whole movie! Like, I mean, yeah. the fact that it's the Crusades, which actually happened, um, two religions um, that have a lot of history and um, culture to them, and then involving uh, the nation of China and its politics and its emperor. Um, all of it just felt totally washed out um, and... Yeah, really sterilized version of history. Yeah, like you might as well just said, like, instead of saying Far East, just make up a totally fantasy clan that has influences from Asian culture. 
or something instead of like referencing these specific places um, and like the Crusades really didn't have much to do with the movie at no, all. It, it just served as a way to have a backstory where someone did something that they regret and yeah. to have a movie that in all so many ways it's a fantasy movie it's a princess and a rightful king and like they're pursuing the evil the evil prince is pursuing them to get a seal so he can claim the throne which none of this is real at all like everything is just like using a very interesting and textured part of history and different cultures just to have like a vague like it plays off of our vague understanding of these times historically yeah. just to kind of um house this and then nick cage's character is like totally ridiculous like all of a sudden he's got snake hands at the end of the movie and like i think a microcosm of the whole movie it's it's is hayden christensen's haircut uh in that uh nothing is authentic in this movie at all nothing about the places or the people or the events and I don't need it to be like a history movie but if you're gonna set something in the crusades and involve these nations and and like these politics basically the microcosm I'm referring to is Hayden Christensen has a haircut that is extremely modern yeah. where it's, it's like, like a modern undercut like an alt-right undercut buzzed <laughs> on the sides and like high and tight up top like I get in a medieval movie or whatever you do a little bit of styling or something to make a hair look good but like it's still gonna be a big dirty dude with long locks not someone who has a hairstyle that is so high maintenance like if you saw someone with that hairstyle today they're going to the barbershop like every week to keep that thing tight and like he goes through like what I assume is years of traveling and becoming addicted to opium in another country and really letting himself go to a journey where he's redeeming himself all the while keeping this really tight uh, styled like haircut that is like it's just such a deliberate like lack of authenticity to be believable at all right. in this world that makes no attempt to actually have any research um, done whatsoever like even the the opposition and the antagonists like guard and stuff like it's fun to watch a movie where the bad guy is clearly defined as the bad guy and an yeah. evil empire this band of guards are called the black guard the black guard it's very fantasy yeah. like why not just make it a fantasy and go hog wild to with the it? point where I, I was like wondering if they were actually going to introduce elements of magical realism to it like, yeah at any point i was like are they actually going to just like straight up have like nick is going to return and he has like sorcerer powers right. at some point and and i mean all, he there, there is like imagery that if if you were to look at a bunch of stills from this movie you might totally believe like oh this looks like a fantastical movie like the way that he looks um when he's reintroduced later in the film uh, you alluded to to it earlier he has essentially bracers on, around his wrist that are live snakes there's just two live snakes that are around both of his wrists he has lots of dialogue like, scenes where he like puts his fingers and hands up to his mouth and pondering but like snakes are just like slithering around yeah. his mouth and, and nose which does they don't go into like it's just that's just how it is this is like yeah. a little flavor for this character who's like a ex-crusader mm -hmm. uh living in china because um, if they did go fantasy with it they wouldn't have to be held down by certain things like 
um, <clears throat> there's an action sequence where they set off, like, they, they set a bunch of, like, gunpowder kegs. Because, um, you know, China invented gunpowder and, like, they were, like, kind of interweaving that bit of, like, vague history into yeah. it. But uh, it didn't really matter because nothing about this place felt Chinese at all. It was just a bunch of, like... Um, generic actors that like yeah. didn't even didn't even have an accent that was anywhere near any asian country yeah, like it was just almost english accents yeah they kind of went the uh traditional route that a lot of high fantasy things do uh where it's just like oh we are pulling a lot of high fantasy pulls so much from like medieval in, in, uh, imagery that right. they're just like we're just everyone's gonna have an english accent yeah. and they, they did that here too except like no one has a similar accent because it's like a lot of the actors like i don't think there's anyone who um is that well known of an actor or, or outside of like nicholas cage and hayden which yeah. i feel like another thing which is like an example of this movie in a microcosm is that this movie the two leads are both people who like i think the by and large like the public opinion is that these guys are kind of past their prime or you know hayden really never had a prime but they're like big n names that a lot of people recognize like people know who hayden christensen is because star wars is huge people know who nicholas cage is because nicholas cage was a huge huge actor uh and and still is in certain markets um he is but, in this market yeah but it's just this weird thing of like oh this feels like it was probably no one's first choice uh, yeah. uh, uh of people and then the supporting cast is like there's no one who's really doing anything that interesting or that special um and yeah and it's just i i feel like it's i feel kind of bad for ragging on him but hayden christensen is just one because I, every single word that's ever been said about him as an actor has probably been negative right and there's probably not even been that um concert much of a concerted effort to like specifically point to like what about his performances is, is that bad i think mm -hmm. people just kind of superfluous and not contemplative about it and yeah just, yeah but uh, but it's um it, it was hard to, to watch him for this long like he can't really carry a movie and it was it, a lot of his scenes were uh, and it, his scene partners weren't particularly interesting either uh it was just it was a boring one i think that this is like one of the um more just just like across the board boring uninteresting didn't take any real chances didn't no i mean I like there are some cool parts about it but i think it's like the the an example of like it takes it takes like a village like an entire community an army of creatives to make a good movie not yeah. this guy who's very specialized in doing cool action sequences who wants to make his whole entire movie because the things that were cool about it were some fight scenes, like some of the sword props. Like, I don't know. I when I was working in the industry, I had to um, take a uh, uh, a hard drive to the stunt coordinator of the film I was working on to give him footage for his reel, and um, they told me to drive way out into the boonies in this big warehouse, and I was wondering why, like, he was out here, and it and it was I walked in and it's like this huge like stunt man like uh playground and training facility where there was just like big uh mats and like um poles you could like run up 
uh, of ascending height and like um you know like the olympic swings and stuff like that yeah. and like just stuff where you could like fly really far and fall into a bunch of foam and i was like oh this is really cool and i talked to a lot of them and stuntmen are really nice and they're really cool and stunt women um but I could just like tell by the way he looked at the footage and like the parts in which he was so excited for, you know, it's a very specialized field and you kind of have a narrow view in terms of like um, artistic like representation in a movie. And Mm -hmm. um, it felt like this was just a cool movie done by a stuntman and like all of his stunty friends. I don't know. I think that's really easy for me to say like they're, you know the coverage is pretty in depth and like they probably shot so much for the movie and like there's no way like any of those action scenes are anything other than like a professionally thought out and done uh production but um there's you know parts where everyone is weaker and um stunt coordinators i think are just so good at their job that when you put them in charge of making the entire movie for themselves it's just not going to come out um well it's going to come out the way this movie did right well it speaks for itself unless they are um really really playing to their strengths and i think that you're gonna bring john wick up again well i'm just saying that like i don't uh, that that's an example of someone who did it right right he's like sure i i know a hundred percent what like i I know the movie that i'm going to make and this is going to be uh the focus of this film whereas this was um there's there's a lot of uh there's a lot of like character work and like interpersonal relationships that are tried to that he tries to establish and they're not resonant and you don't really care about them all that much it's a big sweeping story and and like a lot of like introductions of characters are very um you've seen it a million times in other movies and it's like done well but not necessarily unique in any way um yeah yeah. it's it's a pretty generic uh adventure story honestly it like feels a little bit like a western in some ways because it's like a mysterious you know uh person hero like rolls into town ends up like getting uh is like reluctantly recruited to help these two people and there's you know a lot of shots of them just traveling on horseback like camping out by uh their campfire um i would say the most interesting part of the movie was just the introduction of the antagonist and the um uh spoilers the murdering of his father and usurping the throne yeah um like that story was actually kind of the more interesting thing to think about and it's weird that hayden christian's character is the main protagonist of the whole movie um because like it really makes the prince who was like it's really his story of like escaping his evil brother and finding his way to the throne and becoming the emperor but he just kind of like in a lot of Nick Cage movies, is along for the ride. And he tries to show courage and he tries to like, and he's got moments of that, but like he's kind of a static person. He doesn't change much throughout the movie and and doesn't really grow. Um, I mean, even in the like small sense that he wanted to learn to be an archer and he was bugging um, Hayden Christensen's character to teach him the ways of like battle. And like that never goes anywhere. There's like one shot of him shooting an arrow and it's pathetic. (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah they don't really do anything that interesting with that and like to your point like i totally agree that like hayden doesn't even feel that necessary to the film and nick really doesn't feel necessary at all like he doesn't really contribute anything other than like he provides like safe haven for them at a certain point but like his and hayden's uh, relationship doesn't really have a point of uh there's no payoff for it like they have this falling out 
and then they reconvene at a certain point in the movie, but they don't ever really have a moment of just like coming to a common understanding. Yeah. Like Nick is um, so outrageous by the time we return to him. Like in the first scene uh, in the opening sequences of the movie, he is uh, depicted as this person who is like, like really, really struggling with what he and the rest of these knights on the crusade are doing. And um, he obviously has this loyalty to Hayden's character and he's like retreating from that. He seems like a really thoughtful person. And it seems so strange to me that his decision to like abandon Hayden and these crusades and and leave, he's such a, like a curmudgeon, like strange old defeated man. Yeah. Yeah, By the time that we meet up with him again, he Yoda's out. yeah, but it, yeah, it is it is kind of that. Um, but he like has a wife in it as, as right. well. He's like it, it seems like this person should be in a different place emotionally than where we find him. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. It's it, it, like it, it honestly feels like it, it. It's one of those instances where applying a lot of critical thought to this uh, like character's arc that probably didn't receive that much critical thought when they yeah. were like constructing it and shooting the movie is, is a little silly at a certain point. Um, but that's kind of the dumb thing that we're doing at this podcast, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Are you feeling like ready to sum up your feelings? I about guess it? so. It's just, you know, I think that whole movie was just more like is a bite that like eyes are bigger than your stomach kind of thing. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think it um, really exemplifies um, just like the, this space, like um, as we're getting further and further into these films, we're sort of uh, familiarizing ourselves with some common trends in these uh, like video on demand uh, yeah. r- releases. And a lot of it is just kind of, um, unfortunately, um, not fully thought out um filmmaking it's or just not like super thoughtful filmmaking yeah there are like points of strength within it that can't carry the whole movie yeah yeah uh i don't even feel like it's really super necessary to sum up my feelings i think that everything we said about this was uh kind of covers how i feel about the movie so it, it gets a bad bad from me yeah i'm gonna go bad bad too i mean um i don't even know if it's even worth i know we say you can watch along with us but like I don't even know if it's even worth your time. I mean, there are some like silly moments. I mean, if you wanted to see the movie to see what I mean when I say um, every single scene seemed like it was shot and cut like an action scene, mm-hmm. and then seeing how like uh, that doesn't translate well to a lot of scenes, and like really what makes up an action scene, because obviously this guy's great at action scenes, um, but. It's a bad bet for me. Yeah, I don't even. I, I like he does some stuff that is like more old school Hollywood action. Like you pointed out when I was um, bringing up that that fight scene that I did like. That later on he relies almost entirely on every single piece of action gets a cut. Right, like you swing a sword, it deflects. Cut to the next piece of action. And and what I like more than anything else in action movies is like a lot of negative space and really just letting the choreography speak for itself. Cause that's, it's like thrilling in a way oh, that, yeah. that watching just like tons and tons of cuts 
it isn't. Right? Yeah, choreography is is storytelling um, right. with characters. And like every, if you think about any like awesome kung fu or martial arts movie you've ever seen that you really liked or stuck with you, those fight scenes are usually just big, wide, long takes yeah. of just really, because when you see martial arts in like experts in real life, you know, you don't want to blink. It's, it's captivating. Right. And you can, and you feel like, oh, maybe I'm being tricked by uh, the way right. that they are shooting this. Um, whereas there's no tricking you if you're just letting someone see it. Yeah. Like, um, I, I mean, I kind of have an editing background in that I specialized in film school and worked in editing rooms and like, a lot of times when I hang out with Connor or people that I know that are more in camera, they think I'm cutting way too much out or I'm cutting too much or I'm not letting something breathe long enough because I just have the editor's mindset of just like snip it, you know, just give them a little taste. But this movie was even too much for me. Mm -hmm. Like like three frames of something like right. happened way too much to where I can't even get a grip on what's going on. And I can't even imagine how much footage they had to have shot to get all of that like editing fodder for right. every single scene and how quickly those scenes go by. Yeah. It's like as soon as you get in them. All right, but yeah, no. but that's it. Um, we got both hit, hit this movie up with a bad, 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 bad. Um, Sorry. Now let's move into a uh, cage match. Hey, buddy, ever heard of a line? Hey, have you ever been dragged to the sidewalk and being until you pissed blood? <laughs> Where we will decide where this film ranks up, stacks up against the others. I haven't even thought about this. I th I I would put it um I would put it hmm. So why don't we go over what where we're at with yeah, Cage let's, Match? Uh, let's just touch upon that and I'll give you the list. Uh Joe is at the top of the list followed by Bad Lieutenant, then Dog Eat Dog, Stolen, Pay the Ghost and Knowing. I would probably say that this is between knowing and pay the ghost or above pay the ghost. Definitely better than knowing. Yeah. Um, pay the ghost had the same issues of like not having any texture to the people. Yeah. I think it kind of uh, it especially resides in like a similar um, position as pay the ghost where it is like. You know what I would I would have it below Pay the Ghost because e even as, as like someone who really really does love action movies, the stuff the way in which this movie implements action and edits its action I, I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, even though that they are cohesive and you can follow them and there's a good spatial awareness to them uh, and decent choreography, the amount of cuts and and editing in it really really um, diminishes like the overall like impact of the action in this movie. And, and whereas, like, Pay the Ghost, I feel like uh, the elements in which that movie excelled, like the way that it's shot and the way that certain um, scenes are lit, uh, the way that the art design kind of is interesting in certain moments of that movie, I, mean, I, I feel think like it can stand on its own. The art design was too bad in this one. I think there's some cool scenes and there's some some beautiful shooting. I do think... A this... lot of really pretty natural landscapes. In yeah, movie. very good, um, like, establishing of old... Kind of like an old Western, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a little more cohesive and coherent than Pay the Ghost. Yeah. Like, there are scenes in Pay the Ghost that are just out of nowhere that are like, how did this happen whereas this movie it's like it was predictable but like the kind of journey all happens um in a way that um like the payoff of the knife was like there was a good setup with that um that he he used like the dagger and like yeah for I, those of you who didn't watch the movie there's a knife that 
is kind of like a pivotal poetic yeah. piece of the story. Yeah, it's like a ceremonial dagger type that, of situation. You know, um, things are made right by this dagger yeah. in the past and again in the future. And I mean, none of it's like, oh man, Hank Christensen is boring though in this he movie. Really boring. I don't know. I Nick mean, Cage was pretty boring in Pay the Ghost, to be honest though. It's true. Nick Cage has a pretty maybe his most boring performance we've seen overall. He had a pretty yeah. He had a pretty good acting moment in um, this movie, Outcast, when his wife dies, though. Yeah. Um, I believed him. I, um, I mean, throughout this movie, he he wears like his emotional states really, really well on his face, like wherever he is as a character. Um, even though, like I, one of my criticisms of this movie is that where we leave him and then where we find him. Uh, or like don't there's not right. really a way that like you can trace like the thread of that character and that evolution um but like when he's on screen he's you know he's doing what you get the cage man for he's like doing his job there's also kind of a trend in like having the child actors in all of nick cage movies are just the worst yeah like the pay the ghost kid was pretty much apathetic the whole time the knowing kid was by far the worst like knowing is gonna be at the bottom forever i think <laughs> that movie's so bad yeah um and, and this kid was kind of insufferable he, he was, was better annoying. than the other kids but still bad yeah. um i don't know they're both they're both really bad movies but um like ugh, i don't know part of me wants to put this one above pay the ghost just because of like i, I would be fine with that they're both they're so close um I just one of the biggest problems I had that made Pay the Ghost go so low was how inconsistent and like it was almost like these plot holes were so yeah. insultingly filled by such throwaway dialogue and characters that I you know I think this is above Pay the Ghost for me. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm I'm totally fine with that. Um I think it was more professional in yeah, a lot of ways. Definitely. Even though it was not good. I concur. Okay. We've got uh the new ranking is uh Starting from the bottom, knowing at the bottom, pay the ghost, then outcast, stolen, dog eat dog, bad lieutenant, and Joe at the top. I feel good about this. Bad lieutenant is kind of like, I felt weird that it was so high, but I, I, you know, I think back about it, and it's it's a fun. I like that movie. Well, it's yeah. not. It's kind of fun. Yeah, there's some humorous moments, and also like within the um, within the films that we've watched, like it's not that surprising that it's so high that's true <laughs> I, I don't think there's anything that it's even competitive with yeah um, other than joe um but i'm glad i watched that one yeah me too um okay cool uh now because we swapped the segments we're gonna yeah pop it on pop on the camera pop out <laughs> hey pop out pop out it's a, what I would name my French baby, is Papaon. Now it's time for a little segment that we like to call Cage Facts. What are these fucking iguanas doing on my coffee table? They ain't no iguana. Yeah, there are. There ain't no iguana. What the fuck is that? It's fucking iguana. Um... And if you don't know, uh, uh, audio listeners, people who are listening on the audio program, uh, we've started uh, last week, was our first one doing this, we've started to uh, shoot uh, like a specific clip um, from the sh from the podcast uh, on video. Then we're going to be posting that to my YouTube channel, David Tress at YouTube.com. David put Tress. In, put that into your URL. Share, like, subscribe. Get that 404. Is that what it's called when you get an error message? Yes. Um, 
But anyway, we're doing cage facts. Derek, how are you feeling? Let's get a little pre-game interview going on. How are you feeling before cage facts? Not confident. I'm not good at this game. I think you're going to do well this time. Yeah? I'm just... I've got nothing but belief in my heart for you, buddy. Uh, Wow. The first fact is Nicolas Cage owns a bar in New Orleans that has its walls plastered with comic book pages. The name of the bar is called New Mythos. Awesome. Uh, Next fact. Nick has a pyramid-shaped tomb reserved for himself in a New Orleans graveyard. What? Are you ready for the next one? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the one I feel like uh, you might need a little more context for, but you're, yeah. not, you're not getting it, buddy. A pyramid-shaped tomb? Yeah. It's fucking Pharaoh, boy. What? Why would he do The pharaohs were bad. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be a pharaoh, Nick. Nick. Okay. Next up, uh, Nicholas trains in jujitsu. Wing Chun, and several other martial arts. Okay. So those are your three. Martial arts, Pyramid Tomb, and uh, New Mythos is the name of his bar in New Orleans. I I think I feel good about this one. Okay. Because the bar sounds very specific, New Mythos. I don't know if you'd be able to make that up, Dave. It's so specific and interesting. Oh. And you're just not a creative guy. <laughs> yeah. well, what a surprise that would be. Uh, so, plus, you know, it's a cage man. Like, he, I know this about him. I know he's got connections with New Orleans and superheroes. So maybe that would be good fodder for you to make something up. But I feel like that my gut's telling me that's true. And we got to go. Oh, that would be great. Um the wing, I love that decor idea. The Wing Chun and stuff, um, I might have had... Wing s- Chun, for those of you who don't know, if you've ever seen that... Uh, Ip Man. It, it's like a... Yeah, Ip Man. Uh, I think also... Um, yeah, Donnie, Donnie Yen was the one who, I think, really popularized Wing Chun. No, it was... Um, was Jackie Chan? Was that his discipline No, no, well? no, 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 no. Freaking Bruce freaking Lee. Was he a Wing Chun guy too? And he was taught by the actual Ip Man. In Whoa. China. Yeah. And I then Donnie Yen that. plays Ipmon. Well, I know that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Spoilers. Donnie so, Yen plays Ipmon. Yeah. Don- Donnie Yen trained. Yeah. Right? Um, <laughs> so, uh, let's look that up. Uh, but anyway, I just saw a bunch of footage of Nick from his first acting gig, and he is so shredded and full of energy that I feel like a guy that dedicated to his sweet bod yeah. knows some martial arts. And he wants to throw that on the resume because he wants to be an action guy anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems to have some bodily intelligence, and kinesthetic intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, as an actor, you learn these things. So that's got to be true. Yeah, it's one of those things that we kind of forget because we are uh, spending so much time with him as an older man, right? right? Uh, and like in this past movie, his, his choreography is fine, but he's, he's like old. a fifty-year-old dude. He's and, breaking his ankles all yeah. the time. Oh. Um, Poor guy. So now I feel like if I get this one wrong, you're going to be a smug little bastard about making up the uh, uh, New Orleans <laughs> New Orleans thing because that tomb sounds crazy, Dave. It is crazy. Um, a tomb, a pyramid tomb. (laughs) 
are there tombs that don't exist in pyramids or is a tomb like specific to oh, a pyramid? Oh no, a tomb is like yeah, entombed. Right. That's yeah. not like a culturally specific thing. A tomb is no. just like yeah. Okay. He just happens to have his in a, in a pyramid. Like the pharaohs. That's not good, Nick. You better not be doing that. That's not right. <laughs> don't go in there, Nick. What where is it? New Orleans. So in New Orleans, there's either a bar or a pyramid tomb. Jesus, I have to say the pyramid tomb is the lie, right? And the other two are true. Dave? Is that your Are you locked in? Yes. You are incorrect. Oh, my God. Why does he have a tomb? Is it the fucking bar called New Mythos? Yeah, that's oh, the Oh, no. That, but that it's it was like... Largely wishful thinking on my part. I was just like, I would love this if this existed. I, and it also it was like stealing aspects of who he is to like create this fiction. It's yeah, well, right, because yeah. it all makes sense. I mean, I'm not um, like sad about the fact that I never get the answer right. I'm sad that I vocally always do my train of thought, and it's always really like, oh well, this one, and then I say something like. Only an idiot would think, you know, that that's a lie or something like that. And then it I always mean, works to be out. Fair, I insulted who, you. <laughs> who would think that he has that? That's insane. Um, here, you know what? I'm going to uh, look up a picture of it really quick. Yeah. That's for him? There it is, guys. Put that in the show notes or whatever. Yeah, we'll use this as the image. What is it? Omnia Ab Uno? Oh, the... It's the first clue. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's for insane. when he's dead. That's for when he's dead. That's where he's gonna go. That's where he's gonna go. If he keeps rolling those ankles, he's gonna end up in there. Is it like um like Superman kind of Kal El thing? Oh, this is his uh. What is it? The Fortress of Solitude. Fortress of Solitude. Yeah, maybe. Are you kidding me, Nick? What is going on? It's with pretty that? nuts. This is another thing where uh, I'd like to visit that if we ever end up in New Orleans. I, I feel like there's would lots not. of cage locations that uh, we could hit up. A couple of bad lieutenants like us. Yeah. Walking around in our zoot suits with our big old magnums hanging out of our, <laughs> our pant, pant. Just when I think I got a hold on this guy, he goes throwing me his pyramid tomb. Yep. There it is. Wait, uh, is this in construction? Oh, maybe this is early. Yeah. Oh, my God. You think he surveyed it? Oh my God! <laughs> what if we stop? This is uh. There's a is, Nick Cage conspiracy. This is that scene from Pay the Ghost where we find all of these uh people living under a bridge. Who, I don't think they can see this, society. Dave. Yeah, this is. You this. guys don't know this. You don't see this. This is too uh too scary for you guys. Oh my God! So that was that. Um, but yeah, nice try, Derek. And uh, you'll get it, or I'll just run out of Cage facts eventually. One or the other. We'll see what happens first. Um, next up, I feel like we... That tomb is unreal. That tomb is unreal. But it is real. Was there context? You said there was context. You were like, you don't get the context. No, I was saying I wish that we had more context for oh, that. Oh, we don't. I, yeah, I don't. Because he, he he is really a pretty private guy when it comes to his personal life. Um, I think that's a different one. Interesting. But anyway, uh... I'm sure this makes for great radio for the people who aren't watching the video. Pretty of, private uh, about his personal life, except for when he plays board Google games it. with children. Then he tells the whole friggin' world. So I looked that up. Uh, I think that game happened uh, when he was in his like teens. He and Johnny Depp are the same age. Really? Yeah, they're like a year apart. Oh. Uh, wow. So it's like... Uh, oh, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. 
Um, it's kind of boring that they're fucking playing Monopoly, though. Yeah. Two, two young hunks like that sitting around playing Monopoly. Yeah, that's not the backstory you think of when you see these men. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see them, co- like... In a movie together? Leading with each other, yeah. That'd yeah, be that's interesting. true. It, it seems like if they befriended each other that young, they probably should have ended up in something together. I don't know. I don't think that they ha- ever have, though. All right. Our next movie that we are watching next week is his first foray into uh, his favorite genre, one of his favorite genres. Superhero? Superhero. We're watching <gasps> the first Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider? I'm, I'm stoked. I've never seen this movie. Neither have I. Um, and it's a, I think it's the oldest movie that we've watched on the show as of yet. It's 2009 or 2007 release, actually. Uh, so, yeah. Get That's, a little, that'll be fun. Get a little young cage fulfilling a dream of his. I'm excited. That's his favorite hero, right? I th- yeah, I think that's his first. So choice. like, no direction necessary. He yeah. knows what he's doing. Oh, I think I got it covered. <laughs> so you want me to be Ghost Rider? Yeah. Okay. Um, that's but why yeah, I'm here. Thank you all so much for listening. If you'd like to uh, email the show, do that at contemporarycage at gmail If you'd like to, or if you wouldn't mind dropping us a review on iTunes, that'd be a huge help. Yeah, maybe I'll read it. Maybe I won't. I don't, you know, I'm aloof about it. I don't care. If you review the show, we'll straight up read it on the show. I'm saying it. What? Yeah. In front of everybody? Yeah, in front of everyone. And we're also going to do little smoochy sounds and we're going to pretend like we're giving you kisses for it. What if it's mean? We'll still give you little smooches. Maybe that'll change your mind. Yeah. (laughs) All right. We'll see you guys next week. I hope so. I hope Nick feels better, everybody. Yes. Get well soon, I know we're joking about it, but ow, Nick. Yeah, you're an older guy. Slow it down, Take it easy. We want to see a few more movies before you get the old Reaper there. Yeah, before you head into your pyramid. pyramid (laughs) tomb. That's the only way we can see you. Oh, brother. All right. Imagine, no, no, next movie... Nick Cage goes in his pyramid tomb, but he was in a coma and they didn't know. And he's stuck. It's like in the pyramid. It's like it's like a Ryan Reynolds buried movie mm-hmm. where he's inside of the casket for the. Get whole me out movie. of this tomb. It's like a uh, Kill Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>